A man become preeminent, he is expected to have enthusiasms. 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 What am I? What draws my admiration? What is that which gives me joy? Baseball. Rob D, the Dead Poe Hater. Welcome back to another episode of the Poe Hater Podcast. Hope everyone is enjoying the podcast so far in this offseason. I'm coming at you today with another podcast with my good friend Ryan Roof. We go over some of the recent signings in Major League Baseball. Um, we try to hit on the Baltimore Orioles and what the playing time um, downfall would be after they signed Adam Frazier. Talk about calls for non to New York. We talk about Carlos Correa going to the Giants and, again, the playing time shuffle that might ensue. After that, we hit on some of uh, quick bullpen stuff with Brad Boxberger and um, signing with the Cubs and Arizona Diamondbacks signing uh, a former Major League pitcher back into the Majors who's closing in Japan. So try to find anything from there. And we also talk about some uh, draft champion strategies that we are... um, employing in our drafts right now and kind of where we feel comfortable taking certain positions and we go over some like ADP battles with shortstops and starting pitcher and uh, you know find sprinkled in some strategies that right now we feel comfortable going with in draft champions or um, for myself I'm transitioning out of gladiator drafts back into draft champions or just getting to know the back end of the player pool again and um, yeah good discussion on a whim kind of podcast, you know, texted this morning and we found some time and we just got together to pod. So, um, we also talk about softball stats and, uh, we also talk about self-checkout lanes. So check it out. Enjoy. Bye. All righty, folks. Welcome back to the Pull Hitter podcast. This is Rob D, the dead pull hitter. I'm joined again by my friend, Ryan Roof. Ryan, what's up, buddy? What's up? Singles hitter, Ryan Roof. Singles hitter? Yeah, I was thinking about that. It was a, it was, my softball uh, career was mostly singles. Really? Okay, yeah. so this is good to know. I like to get to know people a little better. So that's, that was you, team me to the big hit and keep the rally going, Ryan yeah. Roof. That's you? That's me. The singles like bloop over the second baseman right into right field. I was yeah. the rally killer. Like if we were down by six with the bases loaded, I'd hit a grand slam and they'd be like, now what are we going to do? I'm like, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> it's only two runs away. <laughs> I hit one over the one home run over the fence in like the whole probably seven or eight years I played softball. And it was like one, the best day of my life. I it's was a like, great day. It's great. Yeah. You puff your chest out and you're like, fuck yeah. I, I hated I hated playing on fields that had no fences. Yeah, because then it's like, I don't know, I always, I, I mean, I was always just like a 
like pull power hitter and if there was no fence, everyone would just play deep and I would just still try to hit it over everyone's head. Let me ask you, do you keep did you keep your softball stats? Yes. So did I. Yeah. I have them. I've just pulled them up. You pulled them up? I just oh, pulled I don't them have up. them on me, on me. I have them in a Tupperware somewhere, a folder somewhere. I hit uh yeah, last year I played was 2014, so it's been a long time. Yeah, man. Mostly singles. Yeah. I had one year I had five home runs, but they were all inside the park home runs. You figured out your OPS and your slug? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no. I So here, here's why I got it addicted to just hitting home runs in softball. So actually, you know, growing up, played baseball all the time. And um, my family had a, a um, like a vacation house that my dad like worked three jobs to like afford to have on top of growing up in Brooklyn. And it was in this little community um, up by Vernon, New Jersey, like by where Action Park was and where Mountain Creek is, a famous Action Park. And so we would go up there in the summer. I'd go up in Brooklyn, go to school in Brooklyn and go up there in the summer. And they'd have like, you know, sports for everyone to play for different age groups. So we had, you know, we had, uh, they didn't do baseball, they did softball. So like all my friends at home would find it weird that I was playing softball when I was 14 or 13. They're like, why the hell are you, you know, why don't you just play baseball? I was like, well, I play baseball yeah. during the season. And then it was what it is that basketball, tennis, paddle ball, and all these sports. So base, you know, softball was the thing. And when I was 14, um, I put one over the fence, like left center too. It wasn't even pull. It was the first year I remember. It was the first year my brothers played a lot of um, arc league softball at the same time. And I just watched them play. Well, I was the official scorekeeper of their team. They had this like unbelievable team. Like they were just mercy people, like 35 to three. It was just a sick team. But it was the first year like those TPS bats came out, you know, the, mm -hmm. the Louisville slugger ones, but it was black. And then they had the red ones and the blue ones. So I remember my brothers bought me a red one for like Christmas, you know, and I was like, wow, this is great. And like, I unleashed it against these 14 year olds, but it, the, the league was um, 13 to 17. So um, I just remember taking this kid deep at one and my best friend's dad was the umpire and um, I was running full speed and I passed first and I seen him run out. I wasn't even looking at the ball. But I seen him running out to like the mound going like this, doing the home run sign. And I was like, what? It went over the fence. You know, like I couldn't even believe it. The fucking pitcher never talked to me again. We were pretty decent friends. Like, but he was 17. Wow. And he was miserable. Like, wow. And then, and like the one of the longest tenured, like, people in a community lived there for like 50 years. He was like, I think you're the youngest person to ever hit it over that fence. And I was like, oh boy. And then what that got in my head, it was just pull hitter heaven after that. Like I went for that fence every single time. I did it like one more time that year. And then the next year was like, when I was 15, it was the first year I really got into like health and working out. I think like, you know, creatine was getting big and all that stuff, you know, it was just like, and I was a little bit of a chubby kid. So I was trying to, 
lose weight, work out. And like, that was it. Me and my best friend just would have a contest on how many balls we were going to pull over that fence. And the thing is, there was this house. It was like this big, empty, um, real, like realty house that was behind the fence. And we would just try to hit it. It was a target, you know? Um, so that was my, uh, yeah, that was my uh, that was my softball career early. So anyway, That's just amazing. give me some background. I, I didn't like hitting singles, Ryan. I didn't like running. I'm just pulling up my stats: 330 <laughs> hits, and let's see, about 98 of those were extra base hits. So nice, what 230 some singles? So yeah, definitely the single sitter. Yeah. All right. Opposite field, you spray them all over the place. Oh yeah. Yeah, your your spray your your uh your spray angles all over the place. Yeah, yep. Shift my, uh, band, my shift, savant shift page. band's not fucking with you, huh? Yeah, my savant page would have like max EV of like one percentile probably. <laughs> um, but yeah, the the spray chart would be all over the field for sure. I would I would love to see that. My uh that. my favorite like I remember getting. This was like later when, like a couple of years before I stopped playing, the best bat out was the booger. Mm. And it was like this lime green bat. That's why they called it the booger. And that thing could hit the ball like two miles. It was, it was sick. You know, what I always admired though, like even, even when all these fancy bats came out, you know, I just played with so many like older guys that would just seriously did. They wouldn't go up for a couple of weeks, three weeks. They'd show up, at, you know, and they'd, they'd pick up the oldest bat that's leaning up against the fence. You know, like one of those Eastons that has no, it's just silver, you know? That's my dad, man. And it's just like, wait, you're going to use this 1981 bat versus these, these, ah, nah, there's a bunch of hits in this bat, kid, you know? <laughs> and they would just get up there, first pitch, whoa, like rip it right into the gap or something. And you'd be like... You know, and you just did there like this is amazing. At that, that always you know um, used to marvel my head. Like just so many guys like that would just like nah, nah, I've got a bunch of hits in this bat, and they would say the same thing. They'd have the same lines, you know. Yeah. There's magic in this bat. It's magic. Feel it. And I'm like, all right, sure, whatever. I love that. I'm gonna yeah. have to get into like I'm almost forty, so I'm gonna have to get into a forty and older softball league. What balls back into it. did you play with clinchers, like the dead clinchers, or was it like the hard Dudleys that, that would fly? I think they were the Dudleys. Um, okay. We we always played arc, so I can't remember exactly what they were, but they were they were pretty pretty light. Yeah, but arc with the mat or with no. the umpire's judgment. Yeah, umpire's judgment. I hate that. I hate the umpire judgment. Why? Mm-hmm. He would always Why? do like the line, you know, in this in the dirt with his foot too, like right, right, right. Yeah, that's... here's your. But... I played in the one that had the cutout, like it got cut out around the plate, you know, so the mat like slid around the back part of the like where it diamonds out, you know, mm-hmm. so it would be notched out, so it would start, you know, like at that top of the square and then at the point, and then it would just extend out and in that width, like I don't know, a couple more feet. You know, if it hit the mat, it was a strike. Simple, easy yeah. peasy. And we even, I even, and it didn't matter what the arc was. Didn't matter. Wow. I mean, uh, yeah, we had, we had the, we had a limit on the arc in our leagues. I remember because like actually, yeah, somebody actually, would throw it too high and um, um, yeah. would be like illegal, illegal. 
Yeah, yeah. Actually, you so, know what? I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, with the height limit, I'm thinking because in my head, I watched my brothers play in this um, unlimited arc tournament. This was one of the best things I've seen. Unlimited arc, one pitch with wow. the mat. So there was guys just throwing 40 foot, 30 foot balls. And these guys who were like, weren't swinging. They're like, there's no way this ball's going to land. And they usually just watch it hit the mat and then just walk right off the field, you know? <laughs> but also if you throw five straight balls, you just walked in a run, you know? So yeah. it was very interesting. Um, takes some skill days. to do that. What's that? Takes some skill to do it that. It does. It does take some skill to do that. The guy that always pitched on my brother's team had... He he was good. He threw backhand, you know. Yeah, he had, my dad did that too. Yeah, he, he had that, pitcher. and and the arc was different. And like, he always got different. You know, like oh, it'd be awesome to really know what I know now about spin, mm-hmm. you know, and and the way the ball comes off the bat because we don't know that when you're 15 years old. Like, right. but now it kind of makes sense, you know, that he threw the ball like that. Yeah, inducing sure. ground balls and just like different type of. Uh, Fun times, fun times. All right, share share your uh, softball stories uh, when Rob posts this on Twitter. We'd love to hear them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, share your softball stories. <laughs> Hashtag. All right, let's get to some quick signings. Um, Carlos Rodon to the New York Yankees. Uh, this is interesting. I'm kind of mad as a Met fan that we spent money on Senga. Um, I thought that could have been displaced to Rodon and kind of been a little in a better position. Um, but I guess, uh, I don't know. I don't know if the 160 with the luxury tax is that turn out to be like 250, <laughs> like in uh, in essence, but I don't, I don't know. But, um, what do you think about the signing? What do you think about him in 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 the pinstripes? A good spot. I mean, their their rotation's pretty stacked. Um, I think I saw on Twitter yesterday the, the comparison of the Mets, uh, new rotation and the Yankees and. I don't know. I think I'd have to side with the Yankees. Um, just a pretty powerful one, too, with Colin Rodon and, you know, Cortez Salads at Reno. See if Montas is healthy. But yeah, that's a great landing spot for, for Rodon. Certainly don't like seeing him go there. Um, you know, watching the, as a Guardians fan, you know, in, the, in our playoff series, uh, we just couldn't hit a lick against the Yankees. And they, that's just another arm that's uh, a lot better. So. I can't yeah, believe you uh, come on here and you're gonna fucking start talking shit about the Mets. This is unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, gotta gotta be real, man. This is unbelievable. Um, who would yeah. you take? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a stupid question. Yeah, no, I don't know. Uh, no, definitely a great staff. I mean, I love it. It's uh, Yankees good. They good about this. I think they struck at the right time. I think they got a good deal. Um, obviously, you know, us fantasy guys were always talking about the health and that's kind of why he slipped in the last couple of years in the draft. Everyone was just a little concerned about that. Um, yeah, I mean, there was a, I read a whole, I guess sometimes you don't really look at stuff in the full context of things. Um, Sarah Lang's, uh, Lang's on sports, um, on Twitter, she had some great, she obviously does like great searches and she has some good nuggets and it's, it's so sad what she's going through too. I don't know if you know her story, but she's battling the ALS. It's so horrible. Like I just, every time I read about it and I, I read a story about her, it just, it really shakes me. Like 
and she's so she's still so driven to do what she, what she does what's awesome but um yeah she she had something that um the Yankees have had six individual seasons of 230 plus Ks. Two of them were by Cole, and then they've never had two pitchers um, reach that mark in the same season. And last year, Rodon and Cole would have hit that. So the Yankees, um, I really like what they did. You know, um, I think it gives them a nice left-hander that they could have had by not trading <laughs> Jordan Montgomery for Bader. Uh, but puts them in a good spot to keep contending in the AL East. I think it's something that they definitely needed to do. Yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. Yep. Um doesn't really get I don't really think we can worry about the I mean, I think Yankee Stadium gets a little overblown too, as 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 being a, a good hitters park. It's you know, it's got some spots that are definitely good for hitters, but it's not necessarily course field or, you know, small small park as Bubba likes to call it. But um I wonder what his face is gonna look like. Doesn't he have to like shave now or do they still have that rule or what? Yeah. Yeah. I think they still have that rule. Um, I wonder what his face is. I was <laughs> <laughs> uh, looking at his player pages. Just, just notice the goatee. That's all. You know, I've actually never drafted him because he's, he's a hunter. You know, nah. I don't fuck with hunters. Right. You know, if I go yeah. to the Instagram page and 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 you're holding deer heads, you know, I not, not cool. I immediately go to Marissa Tomei and my cousin Vinny. Heads? What do you mean heads? You know, <laughs> fucked up. Bam. Anyway, um, I was gonna ask you Verlander or, or Rodon, but I think I know the answer. Give me Verlander. The guy's a stud. Yeah, he's just one of those guys like Tom Brady. You know. <laughs> just never gonna go away is his 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 will to still be great is unmatched and yeah. um i'll take that i'll take his his i don't know his intensity or whatever he brings it's just that drive and i just i love i love that not to say that carlos rodon doesn't have it but verlander is just a beast like that you know yeah He's going to be um, like one of those 45-year-olds still on the mound, you know? He said that. He said he wants to pitch still, to 45. I mean... He'll pitch in 200 innings at 45 years old. <laughs> you know, it would just be like Clemens at the one point where he was just pitching the second half of the seasons, you know? He was like, yeah, yeah, I'll come in in August and I'll lead you guys to the playoffs. And there it is. Do yeah. something like that. Um, small signing, Adam Frazier goes to the Orioles for a year. Uh... What do you think about the implication that it brings to the rest of the squad? Um, I don't know. I I think I was telling you prior, but I get these MLB beats um, delivered to the email. Um, pretty cool. You can sign up for the newsletters on MLB.com for any team you want um, on all the teams and have an interesting little nugget where um said uh, this is by Jake Rill, who writes for the Orioles MLB and said last week's winter meetings, um, general manager Mike Elias indicated that Ramon Urias was unlikely to spend as much time at third, even though he won the gold glove there in 22. Interesting. So that means to me, I, I feel like Gunner is, he's looking to stay at third. 
And he also later on said, um, I'm really comfortable putting Ramon in a lot of different places, to be honest with you. That's what's so great about him is his versatility. And you could just move a guy like that around the field. It just benefits us. So, um, Did you say Gunner was going to play third or short? I think I think he's going to stay at third because Mateo also noted that he was third in the league in defensive run saved at short. To me, it just... And I, I think a lot of people have indicated like up the middle defense will be more, um, you know, it'll be more prioritized now again because of the shift band and you're going to have to have just better defensive players up the middle. I just think this makes sense. I, I don't know, because I think they keep Gunner at third and, you know. I'd have to imagine they would keep him in the same position, like this young into his career. Like, don't, don't fuck with his like position. Like, let him you know, stick in one spot. And I think he's good enough to play short. I definitely is. He's shown that, but I just think it makes the most sense for them to keep Mateo at short and, and, and keep, and keep Gunner at third. You know, they could definitely switch it if they want to, if Mateo's not given, you know, Um, but, you know, Adam Frazier probably gets into some of the outfielders playing time too. Maybe a little into, I ex, uh, Alex Fast on Twitter, big Oriole fan. He think he thought it would probably hit Kyle Stowers' uh, development a little bit the most. Um, yeah, I don't think he butts into Austin Hayes' playing time, right? Um, I don't know. What's your probably take on it? Not. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, bottom of the order, bat, most likely. I mean, doesn't have, like, any power. Uh, doesn't strike out much. I mean, it's a solid signing, but yeah, it does clutter things for Baltimore a bit. Um, at least for fantasy purposes, it gives them more flexibility, like in the, in the, you know, for real baseball purposes, which is good. So, but um, yeah, Fraser kind of fell off a little bit last year. He was always kind of that like high two seventies hitter um, hit three Oh five in 2021. And then only two thirty eight last year. So, um, took a little bit of a step back, but um, yeah, it's 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 you know it's interesting. Um, I do think, uh, yeah, he won't play every day. He'll probably sit versus lefties, but um, he was kind of a platoon bat towards the end of last year for Seattle. So uh, don't expect him in the lineup versus versus lefties. But uh, you know, a lot of righties in that that uh, division. So right. Yeah, I think um, he wasn't great versus lefties or just even overall his OPS last year was uh, pretty low. So, um, Frazier. So, it, it's interesting. I, I think he'll eat into a couple of people's playing times, and this is probably will just get, obviously, a much clearer picture of him in spring training. Um, but I think my initial thought is that it affects Urias the most um Stowers what? yeah and Stowers yeah um which I kind of liked as a late DC target for power you know I feel oh, like he's the kind of guy yes wow that's really low <laughs> yeah super low yeah super low so um I don't know that's uh yeah it was in the 500s or, or like kind of mid-season too like he like just barely got over 600 at the end of the year, so kind of uh, telling why 
the uh, the Mariners just decided to go trade for. Let's see, Steamer has um, Frazier projected for a 696 OPS this year. 502 played. This is before he got signed. 10 stolen bases, 264 average, 99 WRC plus. So, and I don't know, Austin Hayes has some pretty good splits for his light, righties and lefties. So, yeah, yeah, I can't imagine he would overtake Hayes. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's weird because he's been kind of like a like mid to high seventies OPS guy throughout his career, but the last few seasons, like he's got that outlier year in twenty twenty one, but two out of the last three years, it was you know pretty. He was in the six hundred, so. And that's what it yeah. was. I think that was just really like a really big outlier year, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So roster resource has Mateo on the bench with Urias at third and Gunner at short. So. And Stowers at DH. So I um this is gonna be interesting. It's gonna be interesting to see how this plays out. And I think, you know, this affects a lot of early draft positioning, you know, and if you're if you're if your team is low on stolen bases, you know, Mateo is that guy that a lot of people will reach for to just, you know, try to get that butt up, you know? Yeah, and um, he's so good defensively, like you were were saying. So He's going to play, but it's, you know, how much? Right. Right now in the last uh, five weeks, he's got a ADP of 175, Mateo. So he's going to be one of those guys. If he does really, is truly out of the picture, um, for the most part, it's going to be big blow to guys who are relying on him for speed there. But also with the new stolen base rules, I kind of think he's just going to be a little bit more important on the field than he was last year. I could yeah. be wrong. Steamer's got him projected for only, yeah, 295 plate appearances. So, oh. messy, 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 messy situation. This is what we do in these early drafts. We speculate and then we bring our hairs when, uh, when it doesn't work out the way we want to. Um, yeah. San Francisco. It's just okay. where it just it just it just uh, puts the importance on you know seeing how the lineups shake out during spring, right? Like I know Curlin tracks those pretty closely, and um, you know it's how we you know identified certain gems from spring, like a couple of years ago, like Mullins and things like that. So keep an eye on where like Mateo in particular, um, at least for fantasy purposes, I think he's the most interesting out of the players we mentioned. Just for that speed upside, but um, keep an eye on where Mateo, Frazier, Urias, maybe Hayes, Stowers kind of are hitting in the spring. Yeah, good point. I mean, like more, I don't know if you look at like um, how batters do versus certain pitches. I mean, ever since Dylan White was on my podcast and he he kind of, you know, got me more looking into Riley Green because he was able to handle more pitches than I thought he was been trying to look at that a little bit more recently. And it seems like, you know, um, Frazier just lost his ability to hit some of the off speed that he was always, you know, hitting well. Um, and Mateo, yeah, Mateo is interesting because he, he was able to get a good um, some good barrels on some off-speed pitches, you know. Um, he was like league average, uh, a little bit above league average 
on barrels, uh, on on curveballs and cutters and sliders. So, um, almost like that ability to barrel up, you know, bad pitches or like you know off speed pitches. So I don't know. It'd be interesting to see. I just think he doesn't. I just think they're going to prioritize that defense up the middle, and I think he's he's going to stay there for the, the most part. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I'm looking at the at Frazier's um Savant page. And yeah, you can it's very noticeable his only hit 198 versus the off speed pitches last year. And previous four years he didn't hit lower than 273. So he's always been like really strong against the off speeds. And last year it just wasn't. Um, but yeah, that's something I look at actually on the inverse side for for relief pitchers. I look at how their pitches mm-hmm. are performing and and see um you know if they added velocity or there's you know used a certain pitch a little bit more um and you know you find some some relief pitchers um you know they added a you know mile and a half or two miles uh, on their fastball and it you know performed way better um i look at the whiff rate on their like secondaries to see you know what they're using things like that so i, I look at it more so on the pitching side but yeah that's that's a good point with uh on the batter side too to look at it like that's like when you texted me did you know alex lang had a 56 percent whiff rate on his curve and yeah. change up i was like uh no i didn't but i'm gonna go look at that now <laughs> yeah 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 you he's know? the he's the um uh the test case yeah the the, the primary one uh, i think he was the only pitcher to have uh over 50 percent whiff rate on two of his pitches i believe so that's intense yeah pretty intense I see him um, going in my, I even saw him going to Gladiator. I was like, damn. He like, went in a Gladiator? William. Yeah, Alex Lang. <laughs> I was like, damn. Yeah, I mean. Walk, walk rate's a little high, but yeah. I think with that Gladiator, too, is if you just, I think a lot of people are, are adding that DFS element to it. Yeah. Because if they truly only have 100 en- entries, um, if you have something that differentiates from the field, you know, I don't know. It's like the one draft where Estevez signed and I was like, I'm taking him. I just feel like yeah. he's going to be the closer there. And it's like, you know, he's at that point I looked him up and he wasn't drafted in, in any gladiators yet. You know, I was like, all right, this is uh that can't like the contrarian build, you know, yeah. to getting that. Um, Daniel Hudson was my late guy. Yes, love him too. Do the old Hudson Phillips stack. Yep. Get 15 saves and a 2.2 ERA. Uh-huh. Uh, Carlos Correa to the Giants for a whole bunch of money and a whole bunch of years. Um, good for him. I think it's a I think it's something they had to do. They have the money struck out on Judge. So how does this affect the rest of their infield? Um, where do you think Brandon Crawford goes to. How does it affect Estrada, Wilmer Flores, JD Davis? It feels like it's like last year too. We got David VR. You know they had Longoria last year with all these guys floating around, kind of chipping away at bad. You know, late appearances here and there. Yeah, they just they clearly love the platoon. Brandon Crawford was sitting against lefties towards the end of last year, so. Um, probably on the bench against lefties, but uh, I would think between third and second, he probably plays, I guess. 
I don't know. I'm not, I'm not an expert on um, the Giants platoon uh, scenarios there, but um, Tyro Estrada is in that mix. Like you said, David VR will probably get some at bats. Um, JD Davis. So, yeah, it's, it's another messy one that just kind of takes a little bit of a hit. You know, Crawford, he was kind of probably a late target, you know, as a third or fourth middle infielder type of target in DCs and, probably loses some at bats now, but um, still, you know, strong defense, um, former gold glove. So sure. He'll be in the lineup, but um, yeah, just probably not as many plate appearances now with uh, Correa there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so last year, yeah. Crawford just thought sitting versus lefties more often than not. Um, and they have Wade right now pegged to play first base. Um, and he he's always the platoon guy, right? So um, he probably won't find his, you know, Crawford. I don't know if he's going to, I guess, who's going to be Wade's platoon partner, right? So I think, I guess, uh, Flores. might find Flores finding, you know, the a good chunk of playing time there. Um because last year was interesting, you know, like even even with their platoon heavyweights, Flores played 151 games with 602 plate appearances, you know, it was 100 right. and, 100 and, uh, 170 more plate appearances than he's had in his career. Um, so they still show a desire to get him on the field. Um, and I still think he'll keep that. I still think like right now he's projected for 450 plate appearances. And I think that he's going to go past that because I think they like his ability to bounce around. He too was losing some time versus righties toward the end of the season. I kind of think they do just mixing and matching to see what they have from VR. Um, if, you know, if JD Davis was going to be someone that they were going to bring into the new season. So, um, but yeah, so I think Flores gets some time at first to back up Wade. And I think Crawford just takes a big hit, honestly. Yeah. I think, you know, I think, I think that they might, Still roll with the with the JD Davis VR at third, and Estrada shouldn't really come off the field too much. I mean, he was really good last year, um, unless he toes the line of you know middling performance. They could always you know throw Crawford there much, but I think Crawford is 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 gonna go into. I think he's gonna lose the most playing time here, and by a significant amount. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know he was another one who had a significant drop in OPS. I mean, from 2021, he had 24 homers, 895 OPS and dropped almost 250 points to 652 last year. So, you know, he's going to be 36 years old. He's, he could be like entering that, like Kevin Love stage where, you know, he's kind of like the bench guy who's beloved by his hometown team that he's played for. You know, is it well? I mean, Crawford's been there his entire career, so um, yeah, yeah, it could be a big, big drop for him. Kevin Love, I love the reference. That was the first thing that came to my mind. I know it has right. nothing to do with fantasy baseball, no, so. no, and it's uh, I get it, it's a Cleveland thing, right? Yeah, yeah, the Cleveland thing, yeah, 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 it makes sense though. Yeah. He's kind of had the Brandon Crawford had some those weird reverse platoon splits last year 
only 118 plate appearances, best lefties, but 241 average, which was better than his 227 against righties. Um, CWRC plus as a lefty versus lefties was better too than versus righties. So interesting stuff. I know it's too small of a sample to really say that he's better than lefties versus lefties, but um, yeah, another not, another log jam here for. Um, but I I still like Flores. I think in draft champions, the spot he's going right now, it's about three twenty ADP. Um, yeah, right. Uh, I still like that for him. I think it's a good spot to get first, second, and third eligibility. You know, there's a there's a bunch of guys in that range. You know, um, him, Paredes, uh, Brandon Donovan. You know, um, I feel pretty confident that he might get the most played appearances out of all those guys. Um, but and there's no ex Met bias in there at all either. Seriously, um, nice. <laughs> All right, Brad Boxberger goes to the Cubs. Um, I think we talked about the Cubs last time you came on the pod, and this just adds another another wrinkle to that pen. Is is and I know that you were saying you know they're big on the get that veteran up, you know, get his value up to ship him out. Is this something that they might do with Boxberger? Could be, yeah. Um, that's what they've done in the past you know, three years, it's a one-year contract. So, you know, see where, see where, where they're at in the standings around the the deadline. And if they're out of it, you know, see you later. Um, But yeah, it's, uh, it just makes this, this pen just more messy. Um, We did talk about the Cubs last time and, you know, I think we talked about Alzale kind of being a little interesting, um, but yeah, Everyone else was just had really no interest in it all. Uh, but now that Boxberger is there, he's probably my favorite for at least in terms of for saves, um, you know, and then maybe, you know, once he's um, once Cody Hoare is ready, maybe he kind of, you know, gets his, his feet wet um, back in the majors for a little bit. And then he kind of steps back into that role, but, I just think David Ross just loves to mix and match and we'll see like five guys get like five saves. Um, so, yep. but I like Boxberger for like the first half, just, just because we've seen that trend of them signing the veteran and moving on from them when they're out of con- playoff contention. So, um, and then that may open up, you know, things for guys like Hoyer and Alzale later in the season. Yeah, it makes sense. In the second half last year, a 29% strike rate, strikeout rate, uh, 3.2 Sierra, 2.87 FIP, 32% CSW. Just really, zone contact, 76%, really good. Um, though, yeah, Boxberger still got that like closer profile, you know? Um, not obviously with this velocity, not a high velocity guy, but he he makes it work out of the pen, you know, and he, he doesn't really implode uh, much either. Yeah, eighty-two career saves. So um, he was the the primary guy back in Tampa, forty-one saves in twenty fifteen, and then Arizona, twenty eighteen, he had thirty-two saves. So he can clearly handle the role. It's just um, 
how many will he get? And like you said, the velo's not not great. He he actually lost a bit of velocity last year, and you know he's entering his mid thirties. So where is that going to stand? Um, fastball was still really really good. Uh, always pretty much always has been. Um, so, but uh, yeah, um, you know, not super super interested in Boxberger, but uh, if you look at his like career ratios like 344 era 127 whip that's probably what i'd like expect from him like i wouldn't expect like a 107 whip that he posted in 2021 i think he's more that like kind of like career where he's at for his career um you know a couple saves and plenty of holds so definitely valuable in, in formats that reward holds so um yep the yeah. old saves plus holds yeah i always gotta like i'm always so focused on saves i don't play in any like holds leagues so like it's it, i always kind of like forget about it but like i know there's a lot of people who, who do play in those leagues and yeah i, I play those people yeah my two um have my home league is uh my long-standing 20-year home league is uh safe plus holds it's a category league head by uh head to head you know weekly and um i you know it's keeper league, so it's uh, trades all year long and stuff like that. So, but I tend to like stream one of my spots. You know, like my I usually try to get one really good closer, and then um, a spec guy, and hopefully that spec guy runs with some saves. But we do nine pitchers total, and you gotta have thirty five innings pitched in the week. So can't go completely reliever heavy. Um, and yeah, I've just been liking to stream uh, some closers, you know, or or, or a hold guy. Uh, you just can't go wrong with winning teams, you know, like the Rays, um, who are just going to throw in a bunch of relievers. You know, there's, there's trends to watch in season. Uh, I think Jeff Zimmerman always talks about like, watching if a guy pitches on Saturday and Sunday and just like, and if they don't, and he's due to pitch maybe two or three times that week, you could forecast targeting that kind of pen guy for, uh, you know, for saves and holds. And that's what I kind of do. I also teams that have pitchers that don't go long into games, you know, um, teams that have pitchers with low innings pitch per game starts, you know, they're going to tend to roll through more relievers during their game. So you can also, you know, hop onto some hold that way too. So for sure. Yeah. Shout out uh Bullpen Guru on Twitter at Bullpen Guru Reliever Recon. He does that. Yeah. He does a lot of the forecasting for uh streaming uh one hundred percent relievers. One hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Shout he does a good crew, Greg Jewett. Yep. Absolutely. Aaron the whole crew. They're doing their thing great over there for sure. And yeah, Dom uh oh uh Eric Gagne. Yeah. Um, he, uh, he's, he's, he's really good with, uh, picking up who, who, who might throw the day of great for, you know, daily leagues. And, uh, you know, he'll, he'll dive really big into, uh, who might pick up a vulture win that day. Or, uh, if there's, if there's teams throwing an opener, who, who might be the guy, or, cause I think he likes to find patterns, right? He finds that patterns of, of, of those, finding that tandem 
when a starter goes, this guy usually comes in after him, you know, and you can't always bank on it. But if you could find some some rhythm to what teams are doing, you can anticipate that in a daily league where you could scoop a guy up if you think he might throw three, four innings, get a, you know, like a bulk win or pick up a hold or a save, you know, it's it's useful for sure. Yeah, if you're in a daily league and you're not following the bullpen guru, you're doing it wrong, man. Gotta, yep. Gotta follow that, dude. Hundred percent. Um, so here's a guy signed by the Diamondbacks last night, and we just looked up how to say his name on his baseball reference page, and now I like him even more. I thought it was Scott McGoo, but it's Scott McGuff, and yeah. I just love the name. You know, McGuff. McGuff. I'd love to get a McGuff on my team. Thirty-three years old, uh, drafted by the Pirates in the forty-sixth round in two thousand eight. And then by the Dodgers in the fifth round in 2011 out of college. Goes to Japan in 2019. Oh, 2019? Yeah. Yep. Comes back home after accumulating a whole bunch of saves there. Uh, 38 and 31 the last two seasons. Um, strikeout rate of... Uh, 9.9K per nine, 10.6K per nine the last two years. Walk rate, 2.2 walks per nine, 3.2 walks per nine. Interesting, interesting. Lavola says this is just another guy who will put in the back end of the rotation in the bullpen and have him battle for the closer job in the spring. What do you say here? We'll see. I mean, he's uh, he pitched in the big leagues in 2015 with Miami. Pitched six and a two, six and two thirds innings with a nice uh, two forty whip, you know, in that small sample nine forty five ERA. But yep. um, yeah, like you look at his like minors career, it's like not not great, like, not great, yeah, not great. Uh, Three eighty five ERA, one forty whip in seven minor league seasons. So that's. That's not super exciting. No, but, including um, a four eight in triple A. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it's really like you're getting like used to big league play again, you know, coming coming back over to the States. Hasn't pitched uh, you know, in the minors or majors since twenty twenty eighteen. So I mean, we'll see how the stuff plays and you know, he could definitely find himself part of the the mix uh, for saves in Arizona. I mean, they they kind of shifted to a bit of a committee towards the end of last year between Ian Kennedy and Mark Melanson, and and Kennedy's now a free agent. So, you know, it's possible McGuff uh, kind of enters that mix. You know, maybe Kevin Ginkle, maybe a little Joe Mantiply. There's just a lot of interesting arms in there. So, um, but we'll see how he performs. It's definitely not someone I'm probably drafting. I don't think maybe around 50. Would you take him into DC? I'll take him a guff in round 50. You want, you just like the name. I love the name, like, man. Nothing just... about this this baseball reference page like makes me excited about it. No, no, nothing about the baseball <laughs> reference just, page. You just want um, a McGuff. I just want a McGuff. Yeah. I just want a McGuff. Um, you know, I just from what I read on Twitter, it's it, it's like the classic case of someone 
adding some different pitches in another league, you know, adapting to their style of play. I think he started throwing a splitter that is, I think, has added to his repertoire. That's why some some people feel like he would be better than he was the first time around in the majors. Um, yeah. It was a $6 million contract for two years with uh, mutual option for the third year for four million bucks or buyout for seven hundred and fifty grand. So not not expensive but not cheap either. So um be interesting. And just Definitely look at the obvious obvious comparison would be Robert Suarez coming back to the States from, That's, yeah. from Japan last year and he was really good. Um Suarez a little younger um than than McGuff but I don't know. It's 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 a, just an example of a, a pitcher coming over from Japan, a closer coming over from Japan, and, and being successful in the big leagues. Um, so it's possible, um, but like nothing about the history like really makes me excited about McGuff. Robert Suarez, on the other hand, super excited about that dude. Right. Yeah. I, absolutely. I I think there's no. There's no doubt about that. Um, yeah, this is going to be an interesting pen. Um, I think, and I think all, I think Mantiply, Melanton, and Ginkle go around each other in draft champions right now. Um, they're all around uh, 600-ish, um, if I'm not mistaken, the last time I looked. Yeah, Mantiply's at 597. Melanton at 606. And Ginkle right behind them at six twelve. So uh everyone's throwing some some random darts on that team. Um someone's got a cl- was an all-star last year. He was an all-star last year. Yep. Yeah. Um 53% uh, ground ball rate, uh fourth best O swing among relievers. Uh walk rate was elite. Yep. I mean, in terms of like performance, like that dude's a stud. Like I would want him, but like they could have used him as a closer last year when he was fucking amazing and they didn't. So. And they didn't. Right. Right. Great point. Yep. Yep. I know. Probably because he's, he's a lefty. I mean, you know, I but, guess so. I, and, and I don't know. I need to get another lefty in that pen. So man, if I can get some saves. Like True. Taylor Rogers go to Arizona. Oh boy. Oh boy, that would with McGuff. If Taylor Rogers went to Arizona, I'd be bumping him up a lot of spots. Yeah, for sure. I think he'd be the clear cut guy there. Because also too, like you want to think maybe you know it. I think that they they think they're on the path to winning. You know, I think they feel like they have a nice young team here that has momentum. They got some good young pitchers, good young bats. And my question is, how long can you roll out? Like, you know, if, if, if you know, obviously they owe Melanson a lot of money, you know, um, right? What's he making this year? Seven million. So, yeah. and I get like, they probably want to at least try him again and use him again. But at like, if he's not effective, at what cost does it like go against the morale of the team or, or, or of trying to make this a winning ball club if they keep rolling out someone who's not going to work, you know? Right. Um, I guess that's my thing with him. Like, I'm I'm hesitant to lean that way because it just seems like he's not effective. Um, and and 
how much can you keep doing that for a team that's young and wants to win? You know, um, you also got the old Cole Solcer that they scooped up, right? Uh, yeah. He's back in that pen. So it's a mess. It's, it's, it's definitely a spot where I don't want to speculate right now, unless they sign a clear guy. Like you said, if they, if they sign Rogers, I'm pretty much banking on him being the guy there. And They did sign a clear guy. I signed McGuff. Well, McGuff. Scotty McGuff, baby. Let's go. Scotty McGuff. Um, One thing with Melanson, I will say, he was good in the last month, at least. He was good? 108 whip over the last month. Pretty. I mean, like, let's not not get ahead of ourselves here a little bit, but um, so, I mean, there's just some hope, right? Like, a little bit. (laughs) He's going to be 38 years old. Like, yeah, I don't know. I was looking to see who the other lefties were in that pen. Um, I forgot about Kyle Nelson. Okay. Um, another lefty's solid. Like, nothing amazing, but. Let's see. Melanson. Let's see. Let's see the old rolling chart. What do we got here? Um, he's on contact, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. His own contact got better in that last month. It went from mid-90s, which is disgusting, to... <laughs> 88. All right. I'll take that. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> the O swing, interestingly, plummeted, though. Um, so was he maybe just making more K percentage? Okay. K percentage down to 7. 7%. It's not great. I don't know. Maybe we should I stop talking it. about Melanson just so do people it. don't like, turn off the podcast. No, listen. Listen. The the Again, I think I've said it on the pod and I've shared it with you and other people. The winner of the DC overall last year nailed closers at the end of his draft. Now, they weren't yep. Mark Melanson types, but he got Iglesias. He got Helsley. Like, obviously, they were younger, you know, spec types. But if you can get 10, 20 saves from pick 650 on, it's huge. You know, that's that's what a lot of people do. A lot of people don't spend the capital early and they spec late. And, you know, guys like Melanson right now is, is is one of those darts that people are throwing. Like, hey, you know. And I think he's one of those type of guys, too, that maybe can start off again with eight to ten saves. And then he's just he's not doing it. He's too bad. that they're like, all right, that's it. But you still might grab those eight to ten saves, you know. In your team and yeah. a draft champion that's valuable. So, well, you know, double digit saves the last four years, even the shortened 2020 year. Like, I mean, probably bank on that pretty easily, getting 10, 10 plus, I would think. Um, but then you look at like K rates 14%, hard hit rate has gone up each of the last three years. There's just, there's just so much blah with Melanson too. Like, because, uh, like, if he's not getting you saves, like, he's useless. Right. So, I mean, right. he could blow his first two opportunities and then, like, you are never using him. And give up five earned runs, first two two games, if he closes, and then never sees another chance. Because they All got right, Let's move on. Let's move on. No yeah. more. No more. Bye bye, Scotty McGuff and Melanson. DC's um, draft champions, um, draft and hold, 50 rounds. When are you looking to get 
your starting your your third or fourth starting pitchers. I'm after a whole bunch of gladiators I got back into draft champions and you know, I actually now have to look past 350 ADP, which is new for a while. So I've been combing it, but I also I feel like my attack is a little different and in previous years I may have been a little more solidified in my approach into I know where I want to go here, I know where I want to go here and in this draft champion, I find myself asking myself, is this the right pick? Is this is this the right position to go for right now? So I just wanted to see yeah. if you were having those same discussions as last year. I felt like I was a little more, which maybe is a good thing that this year I don't know. Because last year, maybe I was too stubborn and too rigid and too, this is where I'm going and this is what I'm doing. And I'll take Tommy Pham for the ninth time and Michael Taylor for the 11th time. Maybe those things aren't good for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my Mine was Andrew McCutcheon and Santiago Espinal. Espinal. Yes, you did. You yeah. loved Espinal last year. Yeah. I remember when, right. When, when he hit that, uh, I think when he hit his max EV, like yeah. the game, we were like, it's is it. He's going to hit 12 <laughs> homers and bad 290. I was on it too. I loved it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. You and Phil were already on it like like <laughs> a day before I discovered it. That was you kind of killed my thunder there, but yeah, it's um I don't know, like third or fourth SP, like I probably want to get mine a little bit earlier than than most. Like I I like I've just I don't know. I I love getting like two early starters and then picking up my third and like the sixth, seventh, eighth round. Um, I think you could probably make it work if you get like the, you know, ninth, tenth round guy, um, and in, and to put like that into better context, like sixth, seventh round, we're talking about like the Darvishes, uh, Javier. Maybe maybe those guys go a little bit earlier, you know, in, in terms of like main events. I've been, I've seen Javier go like round five, but like past month, um, DC ADP is kind of like middle round six, Darvish middle around six um you know framber's right around there tristan mckenzie robbie ray it's a great George spot Curry. right it's a great spot yeah like i just love all those guys like i want i want like i want like to have a share of each of them basically you know multiple so like that's where like i want to get my sp3 um so probably i don't know maybe it's not a little earlier than most maybe more people are doing that because uh, like I'll have to like take a step back and like and like really dived into dive back into like DC ADP because like I've been doing these gladiators right and like I've been like pushing pitching up in those because like that's just that's just how I want to like build my build my teams with early pitching so like so it'd be interesting to go back into DC mode and see like where some of these guys who I'm taking in like the fifth round in in gladiators go in DCs maybe around later maybe um but like that's where I want to be for my SP three and like my SP four, like I really want to be in that like round ten to twelve range. There's like a ton of guys. I know we were talking mm -hmm. before we started recording. Like there's a ton of guys that I love in that range. Um, Chris Bassett, Drew Rasmussen, Luis Garcia, Jordan Montgomery, Charlie Morton. You know, McCullers got a lot of upside. Yeah, Brady Singer too. I'll throw in there. Yeah, Singer. Like, I freaking love that range. Like, I want, I want two of those guys in both of those rounds. 
Um, but and when you find also out, too, of, like, like in those drafts, Ryan, like you find other guys who love that range, and yeah, yeah, I think Everyone's that's what gen- that right, range, yeah. like that, yeah, yeah. So that's what generally tends to happen in those ranges where we there's so many good pitchers. If if the draft room feels the same way, and you're like, oh, this is going to be great, I'm going to get you know like one of these pitchers here in round twelve, and they all go before you, and you're like, oh, okay, right. <laughs> you know. <laughs> And then there's right. a big gap in that later, like, you know, like the 10 to 12 range like you were talking about. And after that, you know, you got like a lot of question marks in Grayson Rodriguez, Edward Cabrera, uh, Montas, yep. Sandoval, um, Flaherty, Detmers, Sonny Gray, Berrios. So it goes yeah. from like really good to like questionable really quick. Yeah. And then there's like another like there's that gap, and then like round sixteen to seventeen, there's again like that that group of like interesting guys that I really want to be all over. So it's interesting because yeah. like yep, there's yep. like these pockets of um, you know starters that I that I love. Um, so, but I know others love those guys too. So it's like, you know, do you take them a little bit earlier, like just to get your guy that you like most out of those groups, or? Do you, since you like the cluster, do you like just kind of play chicken ADP and and just take which whichever guys fall falls to you at that pick, um, and just be happy with it because you like five of them. So, um, definitely interesting. Yeah, like I don't like the question mark range, like the guys you mentioned, like the Cabrera range, Edward Cabrera, Montas, Barrios. You know, there's a there's like one or two starters I like there, but like. Yeah, like I want to get Jeff McNeil there and Riley Green and Josh Young and Newt Barr and like these kind of higher upside hitters, Naylor um, instead. So mm, I wonder if that like round 16, 17 group of starters kind of moves up to where like the round 14, 13, 14 starters are maybe like it corrects itself a little bit. Cause I feel like a lot of those guys have just as much upside as the round 13, 14 guys. I feel like there's like the first pocket that you mentioned, the Javier gallon, Luis Castillo, Darvish, uh, Musgrove, it's a Framber, T-Mac. I feel like those guys are going to climb the, the most, I think in ADP. Yeah. When it comes to main events. Especially season. like main events. Yeah, for sure. I think a couple guys in. <laughs> but that was like last year, might... like Manoa was like in that range, like Musgrove, like. Yeah. Were, like really paid off. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Um, But that, yeah, that, that six, that round 16 to 17 range is interesting Um, that you brought up with Ashby, um, Ober, Andrew Heaney. Nicholas and uh, right now Kodai Senga. Um, I I like I like I think from this group you have a lot of options for that home run pick or like a more of a safe pick. So I think depending on your roster construction, if you feel like you can take a little bit of a gamble and you want to go for a home run pick, I think you probably can lean with Heaney or Ashby. Because Heaney on a per inning basis was awesome last year. It's just, yeah, how much can you get? And while he was awesome in those starts for me, I had him on because last year, um, 
you know, uh, let's see, last year, October to December, he was a 350 ADP. And even though he only threw 72 innings, I feel like he got you got some decent value out of that, you know, pick because he was so effective. But yeah, um, 110 Ks, I mean, you know, the wins weren't there, but the ratios and strikeouts were. And you talk about like the guys yeah. like Kershaw and the guys who aren't going to pitch a ton of innings, but those innings that they do pitch are going to be really, really good. And he could be one of those guys, you know, and at that range, like, you know, if he gives you 120 innings, like they could be like really, really good innings. Yeah. 70 strikeouts. Yeah. He was super good. 13 and a half Ks per nine, 41% O swing in the second half, under 80% Z contact the whole season. Just really super, Super effective pitcher. I think Ashby is also that home run pick. Um, he, I don't know, he seems like the kind of guy that the Brewers can, you know, improve on and 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 get better. He let up. Um, look it up. I I think it was he had an absurd amount of damage on his changeup. I believe. Let me bring that up real quick. I think it was. Ashby, yeah, Ashby gave up five home runs on his changeup, and they were all like I watched them all, and they were all just like poorly placed changeups. You know, I don't know how easy it is to just try to correct that placement, but they were all like instead of tailing inside versus lefties, um it just stayed over the plate and they just blasted it, you know? Um, but slider. Looks like he throws good. it pretty exclusively to right. Yeah. I think you meant righties. Yeah. He throws yeah. it pretty much exclusively to them. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. That's what I meant to say. Yep. Yeah. Um, But it seems like he has the arsenal to make work, but again, that's a tough pick there. Like if you have, if you don't have stable pitchers, you know, if you're walking into that pick with, um, you know, a good, a good stable of amount of innings and good ratios and you want to have a home run pick, I think Ashby is a decent way to go. You know, I'm yeah, more inclined sure. to probably roll, uh, with Ober or Nicholas, you know? Um, yeah. I just feel like Oprah, even when he came back, he just kind of was the pitcher that I thought he was going to be the whole year. Um, obviously, he had that mysterious groin injury that no one could get any information from. Um, he was my most rostered pitcher last year in draft champions, and that, that hurt, you know. But I'm, I'll be right back on him, on him this year, and I think a lot of other people are. Like I feel like in some of the drafts I'm in. Or maybe just everyone knows <laughs> that I love Ober and they just take him before uh, his well, ADP. Two of his last four starts, he didn't give up a run. He had a really nice one against the, the White Sox. He struck out 10, 7, and a third. So, um, and it definitely ended the season strong when he came back and, and you know, 105 whip last year and 56 innings, um, 51 strikeouts. Yeah, um, I like Ober a lot too. I think they're, you know, they're going to need him you know to, yeah yeah exactly you know, if he had been healthy him. like they're they're probably like a playoff team like last year if he had been healthy absolutely um so yeah that's a, that's how i feel about those guys there and senga is obviously a huge 
wild card. Um, and I know he's probably going to, I think, differentiate himself. Alrighty, folks, thanks um, for tuning in to another right. episode of the Point Podcast. Thanks just for everyone the who Mets, took the time out to leave a rating um, and review. Helium. Much love to uh, everyone for doing that. From just coming and, over and, um, you know. Hope everyone um, is finding the time to spread love. I wonder if we sort by the last couple of weeks of if, or even just the last couple of drafts if we could see that change happening because time you could really get that. Anyway. You know, when you break down uh yes yeah yeah don't be a bag of shit to one another dc nice and uh adp 170 that's it so he went 142 and 198 be better so yep uh, he's right next to chapman round 16 Uh, anymore (laughs) nope nope yeah no pc that's round 12 so yep yep he entered that other area that you mentioned with jormont and uh and no thank you there i i I think that I, I will take the proven um, MLB arms. I'll take John Gray over him, Singer, Rasmussen, all day. Yep. You know, I probably even prefer Grayson Rodriguez over him. Yeah. But that's just because I just don't really know. You know, I don't know how that translates. It looks great. I watched a great video from Lance Brodzowski. It's just anyone who wants to watch a good video on Singer's stuff, um, Lance's. Super smart, covers the Cubs, um, really into analytics. And on his YouTube page, he has a about an eight-minute video on Kodai Senga going through his pitch mix and how he thinks it will translate to the MLB. Um, and even though it looks good, um, there's still some question marks at how it will play over. I think especially, too, because of the splitter and the grips of the ball and if it's different, if he's going to be able to place it, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I'd rather put my eggs into the known MLB baskets then go that route um, yeah i think i think a lot of like my decisions like when it comes to like these types of pitchers like really is based on like who i've drafted before like when you're in the like draft room it's you know taking as when it's when it's your pick right like i'm always one of those guys that wants to like try to pick as quickly as possible so i'm not to hold up the draft but like i really <laughs> want to take a step back and look at my team right like all right, so if I got a couple Astros guys, like if I got like Framber and Luis Garcia, I might I'm like probably going to lead to a lot of wins, right? So I'd be more open to like taking an Andrew Heaney over those guys, you know, because they're not they're not um, as adept at striking batters out as other people are. I, I want the strikeout upside, even though Heaney probably is not going to give me as many wins. Right. So he kind of right. like fits that like construction of my pitching staff there, you know? So just like an example of what I try to remind myself to do when I'm picking. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Whereas no. like Eric Lauer, we we're talking about like, you know, walk rates a little high, you know, whip, whip might be able to like whip liability. So like if I'm got like Scherzer, you know, Birdland or whoever to start, is it like, I already got that like whip base, like maybe I can take a little bit more of a chance on 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 uh um sorry, not not Lauer, Ashby. Did I say Ashby? I can't remember, but yeah, Ashby yeah. is who I meant. Yeah. Ashby is who I meant, yeah. Um so yeah, yeah just just something to think about and something I I try to be mindful of when I'm picking. Um, you know. Cause it could be a differentiator when you're, when you're trying to 
when you're between a couple players and you're trying to decide between which ones. I think something to look at. I think that's so true, man. You really have to. I was considering doing so for some slow drafts. I was considering just actually doing some pods where I just record like my thought process for each pick, you know, yeah. and then just oh, group a bunch of them That'd be into. So cool. Yeah, it would be cool, and I think I still might do it. I should have probably started with this draft champions, but I think I think if people actually heard the amount of shit that goes on in my head, they... <laughs> people would be like, "Whoa!" Yeah, I I just like, don't I know. Need to step my game up. <laughs> <laughs> so like, you know, like it's just so many tabs, and it's so many. Because uh, I think with this guy was that... born in nineteen ninety two. Yeah. Yeah, and he grew up in Georgia. Okay, my, they are my, pretty good at. Uh... <laughs> my new spreadsheet is, yeah. um, you know, what 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 color eyes they have and how they perform in the daytime. You know, yeah, that's yeah, exactly. uh, that's that's going into my model next. Uh, you know, I'm big into horoscopes, Ryan, and 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 you know the the effect of the moon on on us and our moods and our personalities at you know at different moon phases and. I I always gotta like I'm like you know it, it it affects me so much and obviously everyone's different, but I know when that moon is in a certain spot like I'm a certain way emotionally physically you know like, and I know it's a real thing and I just I just wonder I I just wonder if how it affects these guys too playing you know playing baseball and. Yeah, I wish I can get a model on that. I got to tell you know Phil. Phil's so busy, I can't bother him to make a model of uh of um you know um moon phases for me. You He's know, pitching when the moon is in a certain yeah guy's record uh, a guy's record on on the on the new moon. You know, or who's the from guy, the new uh, moon to like fifty percent? Who's the guy who always sucks in like the first month because it's cold? And that uh, can't remember if it's Luis Castillo or Barrios. I always forget which one it is. I guess Barrios wasn't isn't good in go. like any month. <laughs> it's any the, month. It's the moon pole. Yeah, yeah. You know, because mm-hmm. like he the could new be moon... on that like rotation, like every five whatever five days, like the moon is in a certain spot, right? Yeah, because like the new moon right. is 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 like a time to let go of things you don't want to. It's the time to like start new, to start fresh. You know, so it's like throw away your anything stagnant in your life that you're trying to that like holding you back and 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 throw that out and set new goals so maybe that's when people, next like, level yeah that's when maybe guys are like i ah, you know let Talk me just to the get... forecaster guys and see if you can write it up next year <laughs> like feature feature article yeah feature your... article this free holes talking about fucking moon poles and <laughs> <in> fancy <laughs> If you're a casual uh, fantasy baseball player, I'm surprised that you're still listening right now. Uh, the hardcore, even the hardcore people are probably like, what the fuck? Like, what are these guys talking about? All right. So I got a rant before we move on to the next topic. Yes. But all right. Let's get it. How do you feel about the self checkouts in stores? Should I, I give you my I story personally, first. Yeah, you go. You go. Okay. So when I first, like when I first started getting popular, you know, I was very, and I guess this is me, you know, like 
working in a union for so long, but I was so very anti self-checkout because I was like, got to preserve the human jobs. No, I'm not going to support this shit. I want to see people there. I want people working, people earning, you know, people making money. And so I was very anti-self-checkout for a long time. Then COVID came and nobody's working in the stores anymore. Like literally, I don't know where, where the fuck did everybody go? Like, where is everybody? Every store has a help wanted sign too. So I go into these stores and I'm like, all right, well, I still try to support the human, you know, but it's hard. You know why it's so hard? Because there are just every store right now, the majority of the stores are filled with duds. I mean, the people working are just duds. They got no desire. They have no want to just be better. They're just like, okay with just being there and going through the motions, you know, and so now it's another, it's another thing. It's another torn thing in my head. Do I want to have my brain fried by some dud at the cashier line who can't figure anything out? Or do I go and support the robots? So lately I've been like, all right, I just got to do the checkout because it saves my sanity. But now you go to self-checkout and guess what? 72 to 80% of the time, I'm keeping track I've needed help because yeah. something doesn't ring up right or something doesn't register. And so it's like, it's, 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 it's not really self-checkout because you always need help. Oh my God. I'm just going through this and this, you know, this is like, this is nuts. This is just, it's too much, Ryan. It's too I'm much. very passionate about the self-checkouts personally, because I don't know. I, so I have anxiety. I'm not a people person. Um, I don't like people. I only do my shopping in the morning. Okay. Nobody, I was when you texted me this morning to see if I want to do the pod. I was I was grocery shopping at like seven forty-five in the morning or whatever it was, um, just because no one's there and like crowds, like big lines, like the seeing the lines, um, really really bugs me. So I try to shop at ideal hours where there's less people. Always go through the self-checkout so I don't have to engage with the free holes you were just talking about who can't ring things up. Um, you got to know the tricks, man. Like, Because the other day I, I was ringing up um, something and it, and it wouldn't scan. And I was, um, if you type in the barcode, it, it's like on the barcode, they have numbers. If you type in the numbers, it rings up. So instead of calling the person over, just type in the numbers, look at the barcode, boom, you're, you're, you're there. Like if you can operate the, the self-checkout, you're good. Um, the one time I did have some trouble was I got jalapenos recently for some chili and they're very light. So they didn't like, you have to like weigh them like at the grocery store to like ring in the price and they would not register on the scale because they were so light hmm. so i had to get someone over because i you know I'm, I'm not that person that's ever gonna do that i'm gonna pay for my my stuff and uh jesus like 50 cents i was like sure let's do it um but <laughs> i am i am always self-checkout guy just because i'm not 
I don't know. I just got some issues when it comes to shopping and I'm the one that does the shopping in our house. And I just don't, I'm not a fan of people. Um, you know, I just, I just have issues with the store. Um, Let me ask you something though. It, it, again, cause I, um, I, I don't, I don't really even go to the stores that much, honestly, but what's stopping anyone from punching in like, I so Organic avocados are way more expensive than regular avocados. So what's stopping mm -hmm. anyone from punching in the organic code when they have regular avocados? So nothing is, but I think that's I think that's the Just risk honor they're system? willing to accept. Oh yeah, really? I think, I think they're willing to accept the risk because they're not they don't have paying the overhead the of paying right. paying the person to do it. So I'll lose so two bucks on the avocado to, transfer, yeah. not pay Ryan fifteen dollars an hour to work it. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So we'll take the hit on the, the generic avocados or whatever, the expensive avocados. I don't condone that not... activity. I, I don't do it either. But yeah, yeah. You know, I don't, just I don't need, I don't, I don't like that either. Thoughts in my head, you know, I was just like, how, how is, how are they monitoring that? So I've walked out with something in my cart before. I can't remember what it was, but like, I, I realized when I was putting the groceries away, like I didn't pay for it and I, I, have to go back like it's you have to yeah like don't be that don't be that guy who don't be who a bag of shit yeah yeah don't be a bag of shit exactly it's not like you're you're you went in and and hellos and scanned like two sharpies and walked out with 22 by fours you know <laughs> exactly yeah uh all right yeah. so short stops round six you wanted to cover these groups of short stop that you um Brought up in your head, Seeger, O'Neill Cruz, Dansby, Swanson, Tim Anderson, Tommy Edmund, Xander Bogart, and Wander Franco. Um, so what is it about these this group of shortstop that is boggling your mind? Well, it's just an interesting group because, you know, like the first guy goes and then like the next five go or mm -hmm. whatever, like very quickly after that. It's like, oh, shit, we got to get, you know. I got to get my shortstop once, you know, once Trey and Bichette and Lindor and Tatis are off the board, it's like, these guys are the next group. And, um, I don't know. I've, I find myself, uh, drafting a lot of Xander Bogarts, uh, out of this group, just because he's going pretty late. Like, like over the past three weeks in DCs, it's around pick 88 to end around six. Um, I don't know, man. It's just, I don't know. It's an, it's an interesting group. And like, I like him the most. Um, Seager is pretty interesting, but like the rest of the group, it's like, I think you were saying like, you prefer waiting on like the next two, like group of guys, like the Pena, the Ahmed Rosario, Horner. I even like Javi Baez where he's going right now. So I don't know. It's a, Willie Adamas is kind of in the, like the middle in between those, those, those shortstops. So who do you mm -hmm. like the most, if any, like. Out of that grouping, um, out of that grouping, I, I, I like, I like Seager. I'm not going to lie. I like Seager. I like, I like the possibility of him having that. Obviously he had a low average last year. I don't think that'll keep playing, especially with the shift stuff. I think he'll probably right. be able to gobble up some more hits that way. Uh, maybe he doesn't hit as many homers. 
Um, but so I like Seeger. I just think it's that the non stolen base thing is real. So yeah. and, and 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 I'm trying to more of an approach this year to like not have to like don't get so stuck in your head that you must 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 have him in the first two rounds if you get back you know i think it's it helps and i think it's definitely something i try to do but i'm trying to not make it like something i must do you know so like i'm not going to if if Jordan Alvarez is is way ahead of my next guy who might have some steals in him i'm not going to pick that next guy just because he has some steals you know i'm going to pick Jordan pick that bat. I'm going to pick yeah. Pete Alonso and, and not worried about he, him not having steals in the first two rounds. Um, so in that regard, I think it depends obviously on my team when it gets to Seager. I still haven't picked him yet this year, so that might be telling. Um, but I wouldn't mind him. My I think my ideal guy right there is Tommy Edmond um, out of yeah. that group. Uh, I don't know what everyone's worried about. Honestly, um, everyone last year in spring training, he was batting a lot of ninth and everyone was like, oh, see, Tommy Edmonds' value is lost. It took 30 at-bats in spring training and into the season to realize that their other leadoff hitter didn't work and Tommy Edmonds was leading off. I love L- Lars Newbar. I know he ended the season batting a lot of leadoff versus righties and Edmund was ninth. And I know that's a real thing, but that's also another thing that could change really easily with another 40 at bats to start off the year if Lars isn't doing great at the top of the order versus righties it could change very easily back to Tommy Edmund I just feel like is a lock for 12 25 and a good average he's elite defender um I think everyone yep. was saying they should sign a short stop I think I don't really think they're paying attention I think they're finding ways to nitpick at Tommy Edmund I think he's a, just a stupid star player I think he was in um you know he was in the top 10 I think in war of all baseball this guy's not going anywhere I I don't understand why everyone's trying to find ways to give him lost playing time or he's not going to be the shortstop or you know he might platoon it's not happening it's not it's not happening last year I thought he was going to see an uptick in homers um if you kind of prorate the home run effect on the whole major league and also some of his batted balls. I think last year's 12 would have been about 18 or 19 with the real, with the old ball, you know, and obviously I'm not expecting that to come back, but I just feel like he's such a safe power source. I mean, a safe speed source and there's no, even, even batting ninth with that top of the lineup coming up, he doesn't, I feel like if he could set the table 9-2 in those games that he bats there, he's still – I know he didn't steal much when he batted ninth, but I feel like that doesn't have to stay either. Um, I don't know. I just think there's a lot of a lot to like with him more than to pick um, at, and I just feel like of this group, I'm not – not um yeah, stop talking about him so that way like it's... <laughs> yeah, everyone knows how i feel about him everyone knows how i feel about him dansby so in my early sgp ranks um i have dansby as the 112th overall player um and that's behind bogart so i'd probably take bogart yeah. ahead of him um yeah and this is adp like 70 ish to about 90 so yeah. that gives you an idea of like where 
the SGP ranking is compared to like the ADP. Yeah, yeah. So he right now he's like a big minus in my spreadsheet. He's a big minus red. Um, so is Tim Anderson. Uh, Bogart is also uh, minus value for where he's going. So um, Jimenez uh, is he on the list? No, he's not on the list. We didn't. He wasn't added. Um, Franco, Juan de Franco. I mean, I don't know. You know, I wanna. I want. I have nothing but excitement for him as a baseball player. You know, um, yeah. I just don't. There's so many. It. I think not picking him is not a knock on him, right? I just think it's 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 a nod to all the other guys in this area. I think he's going to be a good player, and I think would I be surprised this year if he hits. 290, 20 homers, and eight stolen bases and be a good value? No, I wouldn't be shocked because he has that skill. You see it. You know, you see it on the field. You see it when he plays. But to me, I'd rather have some certainty of of what other guys have, you know, done, you know. And um, I'd probably wait too for... What if Dansby signs with the Dodgers or goes back to the Braves? Like, would would you consider that at all or no i don't think so i don't think See, so. i don't really like him in like gladiators like 162 games last year 160 the year before like he's like to me like that's a like a good like pick for gladiators right playing time yeah they're pretty healthy yep. the past two years um gonna be 29 so i mean still kind of had like the power breakout past two years too so I guess so. I, think I just got my first stands be actually um, in a gladiator. So, but um, yeah, it's, it's, I just thought it was an interesting group because like when you come to these like different pockets, like the, the, the starters we were talking about, and this is kind of another pocket, right. Of, of, of like shortstops. And um, some of them are interesting and some of them are not so interesting. And just wanted to get your thoughts on the group and, I agree on Edmund too. Is I was actually just looking um, at Edmund. Um, he had a couple different pockets where most of his home runs came from. He hit three in the first week, or I guess the first like eight days, um, and then he had another like four, and, it could, and he hit twelve home runs all year, uh, or thirteen. Sorry. So he had three of his thirteen in the first like eight days of the season, and then another four of those in like a week in like late, I don't know. I think it was like the summer, like late June or something. I just, I just lost it. Um, doesn't matter, but like he, it was like, Oh, sorry. Late August through early September, he had four of his home runs. So he had like seven of his home runs in like pretty much a two week, seven of his 13 in like a two week span, basically. Interesting. Yeah, he does. He. So I he wonder what well. he was doing different in those two weeks. Like, was he like trying? Was it just? I guess. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe he like changes his approach throughout the year and sells out for more power during a certain periods or something. He might have different approaches versus, you know, different hitters, uh, different pitchers, or. Yeah, I just noticed too that he gets really on a run of pulling the ball. You know. Um, he gets. He just has a lot of pull power when he pulls the ball, and obviously, I'm a big fan of that. But of um, course, you would notice that. Yeah, damn, 
that's that's yeah i know that's uh <laughs> uh like his that's your that's your like um like when you open your internet browser like that's your like home page right is like the pool the pool hitter like stats yes it's pull home runs to fly ball percentage yeah it's a whole yeah, spreadsheet exactly. for pull so that way you're runs. up to date like it just refreshes every time you open the internet mm. yeah uh i mean it's just something that i like to look at i just like uh especially now with if the ball remains a little more dead you know pulling the ball over the fence is is, is the easiest way to go it doesn't make you um an overall the best hitter available but it's something i like to look at some stuff that kind of popped out or you see a guy rising in home run to fly ball uh pull home run a fly ball or just pull barrels or anything like that if the, if if they're making a more conscious effort to pull it doesn't mean it's gonna always stay that way but i like it i like to look at it and um sticking to my gun baby pull hitters yeah that's it drafting all pull hitters mm-hmm. to share but swanton just Single i don't know he's just like life. i don't know i don't know what to make of him like his his k percentage is still high right um the swinging strike also like started to pull the ball a lot less and a lot less effective um as well as pulled home run the fly ball went down as pulled fly balls went down in general i don't know i don't like got a lot of volume that definitely helps um steamer steamer kind of got him in the middle like after 27 and 25 homers they have him down for 21 this year in uh 500 640 plate appearances and they kind of hedged him back to his old 248 average of two years ago rather than the 277 he hit last year. I guess they're looking at his 348 BABIP. It's, he's had two seasons of 350 and 348 BABIP. And those are the seasons he batted 274 and 277. Two, la- two years ago when his BABIP was at his career average, uh, more toward his career average, he batted 248. So... And obviously, you know, we know that this is 248 and 277 is five or six hits over the course of a year, right? <laughs> it's, it's like, a, it's not that much to change that, but. Um, All you need to do with him is throw breaking balls and off-speed pitches. Like he crushes fastballs. He does. Hit 211 against uh, off-speed last year and 222 against breaking pitches, so. Yep. I mean, I'm sure pitchers do this, but like if I'm a pitcher, like I'm just going through spot pages of everybody and seeing what pitches they suck against. <laughs> right. I'm sure right. they have like, you know, pitching coaches who who have have all that stuff, all that data and stuff. But yeah. Ninety-nine runs, ninety-six ribbies. That was huge. Again, like you mentioned, where he goes might be the driving force behind that, you know? Um yeah. he goes, you know, he bat second for the Braves if he goes back there, if he goes to the Dodgers, where is he batting? Um, I think he goes to the Cubs. You know, honestly, I think I think the Cubs yeah. are gonna I think the Cubs are gonna land him. They already told Horner he's moving to second and it's not magical who's gonna take over for him or Chris Morrell. So right. I think that we're gonna be seeing Dansby going to Chicago. And if that's the case, I don't think I think it's their offense is sneaky good, but obviously he's not as good as the Braves. So take away you know, a little bit from the run and ribby department, depending on where he bats. So, but I just, I don't yeah. know. Maybe because he was a brave. No, I'm not like that though. I don't like not pick braves because, you know, the Mets are 
playing against them. You know, I'm trying to win, but I just never really landed on him in his in his career. I've never had him. I'm still not interested this year. <laughs> so maybe maybe I'm hedging too much with my my SGP rankings. I mean, probably gets second if he goes to the Cubs, right? Like Horner probably lead off. Um, say a say a second maybe. I don't know. What what do the what does roster resource have right now? They have they've got uh, Horner leading off, Suzuki second, Hap third, Bellinger fourth, and then he's not hitting any below any of those guys. So no, no, definitely not. Yeah, I could see him in the top top part of that lineup as well for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah they got to get Nick Magical out of there simple as that you know yeah. so um the prize of the uh, uh craig kimberl deal <laughs> maybe it was cody hoyer oh boy cody hoyer all right let's talk about one last thing you wanted to bring up torkelson matt mervis and miguel vargas in round 19 cluster um i to me right now it's a clear-cut miguel vargas for me out of this out of this group um, I think yeah, what the Dodgers are are doing, like in terms of if they stay this way of laying back and and first of all, that's another thing too. These Dodger fans make me laugh. Like we're not doing anything. We're just gonna stay still because they love to be taxed. It's like, dude, you got fucking Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Will Smith, Muncie with a six staff, so you won't yeah. win the fucking division by thirty nine games. You'll just win it by six. Give me a break. Like, stop it. Smarten up. When next year, when they fucking sign Otani for six hundred million for ten years, you won't be crying. Trust me. It's just yeah. it, it's funny too. Like even if the Mets don't spend, I'm like, if if they didn't, if they just got Verlander and stopped, I'm like, okay, cool. They played Verlander with the Grom and they kept Nimmo. Cool. Like that's it. Like I don't understand why you always need more. Like this team as is is a great team. <laughs> <laughs> just because you yeah. won't run away with the West, now you'll have to battle. It's like, uh, but anyway, I just feel like um, even if I don't think they're bringing Turner back, and I just feel like Vargas is going to get a good, decent run here at third. And um, I like his profile. Um, yeah, he's a pretty well-rounded hitter compared to like Mervis, who's, you know, more probably more power is what you're seeking there. And then Torkelson, um doesn't have the speed that Vargas does. Um, so yeah, I, I really like like Vargas there too. Um, I think when I was looking, and again, this was last three weeks of ADP, he was, Vargas was last out of that that trio. Um, Torkelson, 282 ADP, Mervis, 283, Vargas, 298. Um, I think that should be the opposite. <laughs> Switch him and yeah. him and Torkelson. Yeah, I mean Torkelson. Uh, yeah, he maybe looked a little better when he came back last year for the last couple of weeks, but I'm not sold on that's the new him. And he does take a lot of balls opposite way. That's been his. That was his attack in in in. In college too, you know that's what made him a big eye pop. And they, the guy who spray the ball and he was a power hitter, you know. But you're not taking the balls opposite field over the fence as easy in the major league, especially now with the 
a dead ball, you know? So I don't know. You don't think I, uh, Turner goes back to the Dodgers though? I mean, he's there forever, right? Like, he's been there forever. He's been there forever. Um, I think he's going to go, honestly, whoever offered him more money. I don't think yeah, he's going. That's fair. I mean, I, I, I really did. It's his last run at it. He's a big NFT guy. They pay attention on Twitter. I think he's trying. I think he's in it for the dough. I think he's gonna get a nice. I know the Marlins were rumored to be interested in him. I think that's a. I think that's a that's a good fit. They need a good bat in the middle of the lineup. I think they'll they'll pay up as much as they can to bring him over and play third. Um, yeah. I mean, why else would you get rid of Brian Anderson? You know, come on, right? Um, but yeah, Vargas, sixteen million, like it's it's pretty obvious Dodgers weren't going to pay that for somebody who's going to be thirty eight years old. Yeah, they didn't pay um, a Bellinger. You know, like I think it's a clear, right. it's clear what they're doing here, and I and, and plus, hey, listen, they just they just signed Yanni Hernandez. All right, let's not forget about good old Yanni. Yeah, who's going to steal ninety bases this year, but. Vargas, I'm looking at his um, shout out to this is a shout out to John Anderson on on Twitter, uh, John PGH, I think Um, he has a very cool um, subscription. If anyone wants um, involved, he has some really good Tableau uh, pages and spreadsheets. But the Tableau stuff that he does is fantastic for breaking down player performance. And he scraped all the minor league stack cast data that was available and put it into a tableau. Um, and obviously it's not, you know, it wasn't all the parks, but did have 510 plate appearances of Vargas under minor league stack cast. And, um, you know, 10% barrel percentage and a max exit velo of 113 in the minors. And that's good contact 81%. I like it. I think it's going to translate well into the majors steamer right now has him for um projected for i think they were kind of you know wary of the plate appearances like it should be but 504 is pretty decent 18 homers eight stolen bases 264 average uh 784 ops um but you know i i have also like home run to plate appearances run for plate appearances all the counting stats per plate appearances and with torkelson and mervis he's right around there in home runs runs and rbis they're all pretty similar on a plate appearance basis for steamer but he beats them all by a wide margin in stolen bases too so um and the team context and the and the park so i'll i like vargas here um, I think I got him on one gladiator, which was I probably him up in a couple, a actually. Yeah. 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 Um, I think I took him in two, two of my five gladiators. So I yeah, think he's the guy who's going to fly up the, fly up the ranks too when make, when yeah. fab leagues come, you know, cause even in like a 12 team league where you could just cycle through your guys, if he's not, you know, well, now that you're not, talking about him, he's going to fly up cause you're the ADP mover. Remember? Yeah, big guy. Big ADP mover here. I forgot Huge. to check our Carlos Estevez's ADP after oh, you had shit. Done, talked about him. I have the last two. Um, there we go. Last two draft champions. 201. 
He went 189 and 211 from that was from 600, oh. but that's just naturally from maybe him moving to the Angels. I don't know if that's me. I don't know, man. You know? There's some Jimmy Herget truthers out there. We got to get Perry. like it has to be a guy that hasn't gotten moved recently. And I think that, yeah. Uh, no, I think you're right. Uh, on Vargas, though, moving up, um, you know, it's just a it's very, especially if they don't resign uh, Justin Turner to a, a cheaper deal than he was making. Um, yeah, a lot to like there. And, you know, he's James Anderson's number nine prospect on his top 400. And I tend to trust James on um, a lot of things. So, yeah, a lot of things is right. Shout out to James for <laughs> yeah, sure. Not just because like, yeah, not just prospects. Yeah, not just prospects. You things. know, and I, Honestly, though, because that's why I say a lot about you too. Like, it's like he's not just the closer guy. You know, you both of you guys have you have that specialty that you write, you know, and analyze. But you're both excellent analyzing everything and and excellent players too. So it's 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 funny. You can't just not the prospect guy. This only. is the first podcast we've only talked about one closer potentially, <laughs> Boxberger. Ah. It was kind of refreshing. I like that. And McGuff. Can't McGuff, forget about oh, yeah. McGuff. McGuff. Cool McGuff. guy. All right. That was a cool little uh quick little blast of information. And um I'm doing a live gladiator tonight. And I think it's gonna be my second to last one. I signed up for the last one that they're supposedly having on January 15th. So two more live ones. I can't do the glow draft anymore. I got into this slow DC and I'm just I can't. So and I think even my draft champions after this one's done. I think the rest of my draft champions will be express draft champions. I'd rather do it all in one night. I can't do this. I can't. I don't oh. like it. I don't have the patience for it. I just want to bang out the picks and be done. You know? See, if I did if I did that, it would be like I would have a hundred weeks. I like I like this <laughs> making a couple picks a day, spread it out over the next like, you know, several months. Um, otherwise I'd be in trouble. I'd be yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This was I, cool. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, man. Hundred percent. Um, I know you always keep an eye out. Get one going. Oh wait, hold on. Dan Beachwanton is trending on Twitter. Uh oh. Uh oh. See, already I'm moving the, the ADP. Breaking news. Already. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. No, it's just no. It's nothing. No breaking news. Yeah. Check of... out uh, rotowire.com. Um, I'm doing a lot of the. Um, Still doing relief pitcher outlooks for the site. Just cover went through the uh, the Yankees pen yesterday. The Tommy Kingley and Michael King, Lou Trevino, Wendy Peralta's, um, AJ Pucks up there now. So going through the rest of those guys uh, should be done by the end of the month, and then uh, look for us to uh, start tweaking, you know, rankings, projections, things like that. Um, I'm gonna get my 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 initial closer rankings out there um i think probably by the end of this month i'm off work for the rest of the year so so i'm all baseball these next couple of weeks aside from uh the holidays so pretty excited about that absolutely brother hope you have a wonderful holiday season and um thank you for everything you do and thank you for always be always ready to uh, go for an on the wind podcast. You know, we set this up in, in the morning and we just got it up and rolling. And I think it's, uh, I think it's fun, you know, so appreciate yeah, you. Good uh, times. Thanks to all the listeners and out. hope you enjoy. All right, buddy. All right. 
All right, everyone, thanks for tuning in to the Pull Hitter Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Dead Pull Hitter, at Pull Hitter Pod, email at Pull Hitter Podcast at gmail.com. Tell me how you're liking the show. You know, a lot of people have reached out saying they're playing in the first time for NFBC this year or, you know, they played in the NFBC last year for the first time because of my podcast. Just so cool. So cool to hear that. So cool to hear people just having anything actionable or anything, anything from this pod. Really cool. Um, leave a rating and review if you haven't. If you want, send me a picture of the review. I'll send you some stickers. If you're interested in stickers, fridge magnet. Who knows? Pretty soon we'll get some don't be a bag of shit t-shirts, you know? That's got that's going to come soon. But um yeah. The holiday season, whatever holiday you share, share it. Spread love and cheer. Cheer. You have to say cheer because I'm from Brooklyn you say chair. Spread love and cheer. But um spread love and cheer. That's it. Don't be a bag of shit. Smarten up. Be better. Let's get hot.